on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Alliance Supporting all 32 counties Through the Alliance Leagues You haven't an idea until it gets underway For those who are not here Paint as good a picture as you a, can A grain of rice is going to tip the scale Just remember that, lad A grain of rice just, I, just, I love this county so much, you know And that's it It is all over It is just not meant to be Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GA podcast in association with Alliance. I'm Will Slattery and we have a great show lined up for you today. In the second half of the show, we'll be joined by Waterford legend John Milan to discuss the weekend's hurling action. But first, I'm joined by Roy Curtis of the Sunday World, Dunica Boyle of the Irish Independent and former Mayo midfielder David Brady to discuss all the weekend's football action. David, we were talking a bit off air about uh, Mayo's prospects in 2018 uh, and I guess after a heavy defeat against Tyrone last Sunday and a must-win game against Donegal and Bally Buffet to stay up in Division 1 as well as injuries to Lee Keegan and Killian O'Connor, things are looking a bit bleak at the moment. Yes, and uh, guys, whatever conversation you've had about Mayo's prospects in the championship, I think there's only one thing on people's minds and um, if you look at I won't go as far as saying I don't really care I would sacrifice the 13th of May for a win on Sunday, but I, I can't stress personally how important I feel this game is for Mayo coming up. Um, look, at, there's some of the players um, on the panel that are even, they're only 20, 21 years of age. Mayo have been in Division 1 for the last 22 years consecutively. And I, I think the, the important thing is it's a must for Mayo to uh, stay in Division 1, without a doubt. And probably last weekend's defeat uh, against Tyrone by 12 points was probably, you know, we've all, we've, we've experienced a lot of highs and lows uh, in Mayo, but it was one of the low points as regards performance-wise. It wasn't result-wise; it was performance-wise. It was it was very disappointing on, on the back of it. Uh, as you've said, it, it's left us without Lee Keegan, uh, with with without Killian O'Connor, who who could have a long-term injury to be uh, fully diagnosed during the week but neither player will take part and um, it's all hands on deck because Mayo in Division 2 is not a prospect I would say because uh, it's hard to get out of it uh, I, I, I can't I, Mayo and I'd, I'd be as straight and blunt as this Mayo play as good as they play against and they, if they play a lesser team the performance level their, 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 their ability level drops accordingly and we've seen that year in, year out, throughout league performances, especially in the league. You play the middle-tier teams, who I call them, and they struggle. And uh, they struggle against the physical team last weekend. 
in Tyrone and it's going to be exactly the same type of football this Sunday. Roy, I get the sense that you feel that this Mayo team is possibly coming towards the end of the line sooner rather than later and then it could end fairly emphatically uh, with, with maybe a heavy, you know, they've been very close to last year's but it could end with maybe a, a, a result or a scoreline similar to last weekend. My fear is that the reel is nearly run that this blockbuster movie is not going to have the massive uplifting ending. The last time I was in, they had just lost to Galway and we talked about how they, starting forwards, had more red cards than points from play that day. They had only one point from play again from the starting forward line at the weekend. And we trust that Mayo will be competitive because they have been so doughty and they found a way regardless. But I think they're not reseeding a fallow field in a lot of areas. And as a consequence of that, they're relying increasingly on players who are growing older, more injury prone, and it's becoming harder for them to perform. Um, we mentioned uh, off air there the way Brazil, who were the marquee team for so long, people were talking about perhaps they won't be as good at the last World Cup. No one expected them to capsize to Germany as they did, conceding seven goals. And when a team reaches the peak, and then start slipping, they can suddenly fall off the end of a precipice. Mayo have always beaten the teams you expect them to beat and only found Dublin too big. And they've given us one of the great stories. They've lit up the summer season after season. And without them, um, the championships would have been a hell of a lot duller. But my fear is that this story is, is coming to an unhappy ending. Dunica, I guess a feature of May over the last few years has been they, they've always kind of won the game ahead of them this Sunday. Like Tyrone last year on the road, they put in a really good performance. I think it was Ross Common two years ago, maybe a similar display. So if they do go to Bally Buffet and suffer a bad defeat, is that a real bad sign of things to come, do you think? Well, probably for the county's development in, in the medium term, the next three to five years would be a blow, all right. But as far as this team, this core group of players, does it make much difference to them? They probably have, they might have one more roll of the dice in them. For my money, to do, if, if they can get everyone fit, of course, um, they probably have that, that roll of the dice in them. So if they end up in Division 2 this year, does it make much difference? I don't know. I still expect them to be in the Super 8s. They're capable of anything from there. And, and by anything, I mean they could go and find our best form as they did last year towards the end of the thing and, and maybe emerge into a semi-final or a final or just eventually run out of road as, as Roy alluded to. But uh, like for the likes of Lee Keegan, maybe not so much Lee Keegan, but Colin Boyle, David Clark, uh, Keith Higgins, if he's to feature again this year, and that, that seems to be a big if at the minute. Um, those sort of fellas, Seamus O'Shea, a lot of these boys, so much miles on the clock now. They have earned the benefit of the doubt on, until they lose a game that you don't expect them, that they're expected to win. Uh, I, I don't think you can really ask too many questions about their, their championship credentials. David, I guess, you know, obviously the lads have alluded to how much miles are on the clock for some of the senior players and how the team is struggling with injuries. Is there anything Stephen Rochard, I, I guess, could be doing to maybe be maximising the, 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 what's at his disposal anymore? You know what? It's, it's, a, it's a hard... Um, that a hard hand that Stephen Rochard has been dealt because you're asking a lot of guys that you would like to rest uh, or give a break to to a degree mentally more than physically because a lot of the Dublin players have been consistently lining up week in week out with minimal changes bar maybe two or three last weekend um, you'd like to rest some players you'd like to give other guys an opportunity and I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the guys that I was to the forefront of my mind. 12 months ago um, Shane Nelly would be an ideal example who as you mentioned there they went down to Tyrone last year when their backs were against the wall 
and to produce the goods. And I haven't seen the likes of, of Shin Nelly um, fleetingly is, 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 a, is, a, is an over, overstatement uh, in this, this year's National League. I think, you know, and, and I suppose serendipity uh, could be could be Mayo's um, friend and foe in the next uh, in the next three or four days because if they do find themselves in a situation where their backs are against the wall and they do pull off a victory or a, a well deserved draw against Donegal down in Donegal, it gives a little bit of momentum. It gives a little bit of confidence because they've had damn all. I did see Stephen Rochford breathe a sigh of relief this year, uh, and he was. The first words out of his mouth was, "That's the first game we've won in the last four years uh, in the league. The first game in the league, and it was a big kind of sigh of relief. We are not saying, oh, now we're against it. We're in a, a relegation battle.' But as the, as the last game looms, it, it, that's what they're faced with. But I, I, I have to say, and I, I, I have look at, I have, I have never really doubted this team, but." And what they give from a performance, from an effort, from an athletic ability is is phenomenal. But you will not you will not maintain what they're maintaining at the moment if you don't get the, the return from play. And Roy has alluded to it there. Um, they have had minimal shots at goal. I think a lot of it is, and when it comes down to it, yes, the forward cohesiveness is not there. But we haven't got a platform around midfield. We've had, um, if you take from the start of the game to the end of the game, there's been something like 15 different midfield pairings between one guy stepping out and one guy stepping in and two guys starting the next game. And um, they haven't got a platform in the field. They haven't got a, a decent amount of supply into the, uh, the forward line to set up to set up any. Because they all need to win midfield if they're to win most games because their 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 shooting returns doesn't always uh, accumulate to a to a victory. It's it's um it's the perfect storm to a degree. I, I have to say it's it's the last game. It's do or die. It's where, you know, the 13th of May is a lot closer now, but if Mayo, I feel, need to stay in Division 1. I hear the people that say, you know what, maybe it'll give them a chance to relax in Division 2. Mayo could find themselves in Division 3 fairly quick if they relax at, at, at any stage next year. So it's, it's staying one to maintain momentum. I think the Lee Keegan factor cannot be overstated. David talks about shots on goal and how many times in previous summers have we seen Lee Keegan surging forward, providing an inspirational moment that develops momentum and creates a whole ambiance where Mayo suddenly believe in what they can do. We, we talked during the Six Nations if a Conor Murray got injured, if a Tyg Furlong got injured. I think Keegan is that important to Mayo and news that he's dislocated his shoulder. I mean, that game on the 13th of May is only six, seven weeks away. Um, whatever whatever chances Mayo have of advancing to the later stages of the summer, I think take Lee Keegan out of the picture and they diminish rapidly. Well, we'll move uh, on. that, uh, 13th of May, I think Lee Keegan might need three shoulders, never mind two good ones. Um, that's going to be the, phys- the physicality and the momentum in that game, but big time, yeah, he's, he's going to be a major loss. My old top scoring forward is um, uh, Paddy Durkin. You know, he's a half-back. He's, he's contributed more from play than uh, any of the starting forwards this year. Yeah, and, and you see you see Liam Irwin, who I, I covered him in the under-21 final in 2016, I think it was, and I think he got 2-1 or 2-2 that day. And if you had to pick a player, the kind of player that Mayo needed, it was him, because he looked like a natural goal scorer, an inside forward, just that was, that was what he did. He got goals and points, and if you were to say then in 2016, going into 2018, he could be a big player for... Um, for, uh, for for Mayo and he's pitched up in London this year now I'm not sure the circumstances maybe he's gone off the boil a little bit but just they don't seem to have got enough through from that under 21 team like 
Jermaine O'Connor was already in the senior team at that stage. Stephen Cohn was on, on, on the verges of it. And Erwin probably would have been the next fella you'd pick out from, from that lineup. And obviously, he's not if, around. If you look at what Mayo really, the only thing that matters is winning the All Ireland. Yeah. To win the All Ireland, they will more than likely have to beat Dublin. And if you look at the teams from last year, and Mayo were very, very close. Now, look at what Dublin have added. They've added Colin Basquiel and Brian Howard to their attack. You look at the Mayo attack, and you're still relying on the same people. So what you're thinking is Dublin are going to be maybe 10% better, 10% deeper. And Mayo, the footballer of the year last year, turns 30, into his 36th year this year. Um, Lee Keegan, um, body creaking just by dint of so much he's put in. And it's, it's hard to see how Mayo will be better than last year. And that's my fear. If you're not better, you're going backwards. And if Dublin are going forwards it's very hard to see them winning in All-Ireland. Well, Donica, we'll move on to Dublin now, and I'd like to get all of your opinions, but we'll start with you. Uh, the Dermot Connolly situation at the moment is is kind of uh, fascinating. A lot of people, I guess, you know, he didn't go to the medal ceremony or the team holiday or the visit to meet Michael D. Higgins and Oris and Uteron, and he's only played, I think, 30 minutes against Mayo this season in the league, and Jim Gavin said after the weekend that they're resting him, but having not played a whole lot of football last summer either, it's hard to see what they're resting him from. Like, what's your take on what's happening at the moment? I think there's been a little bit of, from the outside looking in, there was a little bit of discontent there from the warm up for the All Ireland final last year. And you saw Jermud in sleeveless, suppose, sleeveless top, non in different gear to the rest of them. He was clearly unhappy at being at being left out. Certainly, that was my read of it. And I suppose the city was alive with rumours that that was it. He was done with Dublin at the time. And when Pat Gilroy came in, who obviously had made played a huge part in 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 moulding him, uh, when he came in as hurling manager, then that only added flames to fire. I just don't buy the 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 um, resting him argument. It just doesn't make sense, as you pointed out. He played very little last year. Um, Vincents were actually gone early for 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 once in, once in the rarely happened them over the last couple of seasons. So it, it denies us out and good. Now maybe there's a little bit of management going on in the background. Maybe they're trying to just keep him on board without you know losing them before the summer. But like Dublin are absolutely blessed with brilliant talent but even they can use him in some capacity right. he turned the All-Ireland final last did, year Roy yeah. like what, what's your read on the situation like is is there a bit of butting heads between Dermot and Jim Gavin well I know there has been communication between the two um, Dermot is the most talented footballer of his generation I would argue and I think there was a lot of frustration in his own mind at the way the season worked out last year um, from the Carlo game I think he was very upset at not getting more matched time in the in the semi-final um in the final his I, I mean I thought his his role in the final was big enough that he could have warranted being man of the match but I think what you're seeing here is Dublin and Jim Gavin I think Jim Gavin's a magnificent man manager and he understands the depth and strength that he has and we are seeing a gradual change of the guard Bernard Brogan is going to miss this entire season. Paul Flynn hasn't been seen. Um, Dermot, another 30-something who has played minimal football. Keno Sullivan, who's 30 next week, hasn't or has has done his shoulder and won't feature in Leinster. And and those names I mentioned earlier, uh, Brian Fenton, Paul Mannion, Kieran Kilkenny, they're now the leaders of the team. So I think you're seeing you're just seeing a different a different team like Kieran Kilkenny to me. I I sent a tweet out about him recently and I got a couple of replies back saying he's the most boring footballer <laughs> in Ireland. And I mean you just wonder you they say humans have have greater brain power than amoebae. I mean this guy I I talked about 
Johnny Sexton and Conor Murray. But Kieran Kilkenny is an amalgam of the two of them. He's this superior playmaker. He's just laden down with competitive zeal. He's physically tough. Sees the game a Polaroid ahead of everybody else. Got five points from play last week. I think it was Shane Horgan said something about Johnny Sexton, that he makes his own life harder by seeking to make other players better. And that's exactly what Kilkenny does. This guy came through as a full forward, has come back into that quarterback pocket, never gives the ball away, always gives it to a player in better position and can score off two feet. And I think part of the answer to the Dermot Connolly riddle is that Kieran Kilkenny has become that team leader, that guy who's capable of absolutely anything. Um, and that makes the need for Dermot Connolly, brilliant as he is, superior talent, slightly less. It still represents something of a risk, but because if you have this great Dublin team who are capable, we don't know what they're capable of yet, they're they could go on and on now for a couple of years yet. That's not. I don't think that's a massive leap to assume that they could win this one and maybe another one or two after, or certainly three of the next five, something like that. Um, but if you go into an All-Ireland final or semi-final and you lose narrowly and you haven't got Jeremy Connolly on your 30 because you haven't managed him or you haven't kept him happy or you haven't done it and you lose narrowly, big risk and that the blame will be laying thrown at your door so if I, I think I think they absolutely need he's that good and he's that important I think you need to do what you what you can to keep him on board he'd yeah be but he'd be there come to summer David what have you made of Jim how Jim Gavin has gone about managing Dermot McConnelly um, you know again if it's, a lot of it is is you know what we, we see from afar because we, none of us have um any any insight into really what happens in the Dublin camp but look at there is a reality that you know, great players um, and great managers have personalities, and I think Dermot is probably as as, as the boys have said. From it followed on from the semi-final last where he got minuscule minutes, which I was very surprised at. So more or less an indicator to say you have no real hand act or part um, in starting in All Ireland. But without a doubt, no matter what happens, and I, I can't rem- really remember an All Ireland final with Dublin where the senior players. Um, Barry Young, Cormac Oslo coming on and shooting the lights out in one point, but the senior players have came on and pushed them over the line. And again, it's coming back to the Kevin McMenons of this world. Again, Connie coming on last year, Bernard Brogan coming on. They, they, they have they have a reliance on the senior players when they really need them to, for their experience and their guys to get over the line. And Connie, without a doubt, will be part of of of. Um, of of this Dublin team in the in the latter stages um, of this year's All Ireland, he'd have a massive role to play. It's a long way from the Super Eight. There will be games to be played. There'll be injuries picked up. Um, he, one thing is, he's going to be fresh. Will he have a point to prove? He probably will because he has seen absolutely damn well game time uh, in the last twelve months to a degree. And uh, he's he's uh, once you have talent like he has, he'll be a force to reckon with. And there's there's um, again, it's competitive edge of training. It's it's just it's it's adding to the to the, the strength and numbers that Dublin have and, and Dublin will have going forward. So there's fresh and there's undercooked. Like you know, if he doesn't play until we don't see him until the championship, the early stages or the latter stages, Leinster championship, he'll effectively have gone a year without playing football for Dublin. So, you know, there's a bit of a balancing act to be done there. Hmm. Well, Roy, we'll wrap up with uh, Dublin Galway. You know, obviously they're into the league final now. They had a very, I guess, fractious uh, encounter at the weekend, and I guess a lot of people are looking from the outside, asking, "Are Galway a legitimate challenger?" That was a really good marker they laid down uh, at the weekend. Well, they've they've gone and won in Kerry. They've they've refused to take a backward step against both Dublin and Mayo. Match both those teams physically in the in 
in both games, which seemed to me like a team who were saying, we're here and we intend to be players. I think there's a huge chasm, a huge void there for someone to step into as potentially the number two seed this year. If you look at Kerry and rebuilding, all the uncertainty surrounding Mayo and none of the Ulster teams at a level that they were at maybe three, four years ago, albeit Monaghan, continue to overachieve heroically, I think. And the more I look at Galway, the more substance I see and the more I believe that they could be a player this summer. We were slightly concerned at the start of the league that it might be they had a fitness advantage a la Roscommon two years ago and that they might take a step backward afterwards. If they can come to Crow Park on Sunday week and be competitive against Dublin in the league final, you have to say, looking to the 13th of May, the preparations will have been absolutely perfect for that. I'm not saying they'll get to an All-Ireland final. They, have, they haven't performed in Crow Park in either of the last two summers, um, having done, done reasonably well in the province. But I don't think there's any reason why they can't make a big statement and say, as they did in 98 when Corrifan win. Again, they've Corrifan players to come in, as Nipirshik have in, in the Limerick situation. I, if I was having an each way bet on an All Ireland now, a team to make a team to make a final, I think Galway represent real value. I guess it's all about kind of Galway ticking boxes along the way to maybe getting to an All Ireland final. You know, they they've played the four semi finalists from last year. They've beaten I think three of them and drawn the other game against Dublin. But I guess a big performance in Croke Park is what is missing from that CV. Like they did win the league against Kildare last year, but it was a pretty poor final so they haven't even if they lost narrowly to Dublin and really fronted up it would represent progress oh absolutely but I think the the big thing about that game in Salt Hill is and we talked about it before we came on is that Dublin didn't play with Cluxton and I know we've done this ad nauseum but it, they're a much different team when he's in there um, he just seems to get them out and get them in possession a third of the way or more up the pitch a lot more often, and that's where they go from. Um, now, I, I saw Galway, I was down in Tralee when, when uh, Galway beat Kerry, and the one thing they have that can trouble any team, and include Dublin in this, they have oceans of pace in the team, so much pace in the team. Um, Eamon Brannigan, um, Shane Walsh, Walsh Daly, like these, your hamstrings are sore looking at these fellas when they move so fast. So that that's the one thing to have, and, and that can create overlaps and cause all kind of trouble. They have loads going for them. Sean Andy O'Kelly, I think, has been a huge, well, I won't say a fine for them because we all knew about him last year. He did an excellent job on Conor Callan last year in, in the uh, under 21 final. Um, so he's been a massive addition to them, and they are hardy. They are, they are not afraid. They won't back down from anything. They're hopping off everything that moves. So uh, they have loads going for them. I just think it might be a little bit too soon for them to expect them to go to Crow Park and beat Dublin where Dublin are at their absolute and best. And yet that pace should transfer to Crow Park. There should be it nowhere should suit. where that's it more effective. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think there's one other interesting thing. They've actually the best defensive record in Division 1 this year. They conceded eight points fewer than Dublin. But, I mean, to put in some context, they conceded 35 fewer than Kerry, which is six a game which talks, and we spoke about Paddy Talley before and the effect he obviously worked with Tyrone in All-Ireland winning teams and maybe giving them that bit of steel. But to me, they have they have nearly everything. When you have huge pace, defensive steel, um, Paul Conroy around the midfield can win you ball. Um, they've, they've the Corrafin players to come in to add depth. I think they have a big chance. Yeah, David, all this adds up to Galway being real All-Ireland contenders. Hold on a second, though, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, I have to say, and I can't but be impressed with them overall, um, as individuals, and the boys named some some individuals that have really come on there in the last 12, 18 months, but as a team, as, as, as a kind of a platform they set up for themselves, 
they've been solid as a rock defensively to a degree. Um, and they the seem comfortable in, their, in their, the way they transition from uh, attack into defence. And they can mix it. I have to say, I don't think I'm seeing a team at the moment that's kicking the long ball as much um, and retaining possession as much when they do, when they do counter-attack. Uh, it's, but look, at the reality is, the reality is that it's 13th of May, not a National League final. Um, their season is going to be defined uh, because they have, they have come, they have come, they've gone past a good league campaign. Um, that's a given. That's that's everyone agrees with that and admits that. But it's going to be down to championship. Uh, whether it's the front door or the back door, it makes a massive, massive difference. And again, you're going. It's away from home. It's it's 13th of May. It's down in in Castle Bar. You're going to have a Mayo team that might be still licking the wounds from from relegation. But it's the only great rivalry left in provincial football in this country. In this in. In, in, in this sport for the GA and that's my overs go with and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be some start of the summer when they do meet but I would say I wouldn't be putting any money on uh, go with or Mayo reaching an Ireland final before then because uh, that's the biggest hurdle for them coming up in the next two or three months. You would have to fancy that if Galway lost that day they would be better built to go back through the back door and get to the Super 8s. I, I, yeah. I, I think the front door I think if for Galway if Mayo lose that game and to get to an Ireland semi-final I think it's 10 matches total so and that's what they played last year um, and they're already a high mileage team I think if Galway ended up going through the back door and made their way to the Super 8s that way I don't know would that affect them that much they actually need more minutes in championship football now rather than Mayo need less mm. well yes. I haven't got 10, minutes, 10 games left of me this year. <laughs> <laughs> Just last word to finish up, guys. You know, it was one of the stories of the league, Roy, Carlo getting promoted. You know, there's so much doom and gloom about Leinster football, like Division 3 will be a mini Oberon Cup next year, but Carlo are one team on the ascent and it was great to see kind of a, a smaller county get their reward for putting in the hard work. Look, Joe Smith will probably win Sports Manager of the Year come December, but the, the job Torlick O'Brien has done down there is absolutely fantastic. This is their uh, the first time out of Division 4 in 33 years. When he took over, they just finished bottom of the league and they've gone 5th, 4th, 3rd and 1st. They put up a very creditable performance against Dublin last summer, having beaten Wexford. Um, there's a sustainable improvement. You can see a real unity of purpose uh, across the county. I love Brendan Murphy, their, their star midfielder. I loved his tweet on uh, Sunday where he just said, this is huge, this is our All-Ireland, we are Carlo. And it's sort of, get you in the heart, you say, this matters to them. Um, and they're not potential All-Ireland winners, they're not provincial, potential provincial winners. But when you see a county of that size advancing, and we spoke off air again about counties like Mead, who are four and five times the population, um, potentially those two teams are going to be in the same division next year. And while that's a terrible indictment of a Mead team who were winning All-Irelands regularly up to, uh, up to 15, 20 years ago, it shows what a county can do if instead of having an inferiority complex and whinging about the disadvantages, actually get their act together. Well, Roy, Dunica, David, thanks so much for joining me. And that's it for our football chat. We're moving on to hurling. I'm joined on the line by John Milan. But Roy, I'm going to start with you as the resident wordsmith among us. Uh, you know, on Monday in the Gaelic grounds, Limerick versus Clare, it was kind of some beautiful chaos. There was two periods of extra time. There was a free-taking competition that made things very dramatic. What did you make of it all? Well, I think it's very funny because the sensory overload of Twickenham and Rory McIlroy winning for the first time in 18 months, Irish winners at Cheltenham, Two of the most thrilling hurling games we're likely to see this year almost passed under the radar. Um, 
Cool and Apertia, Glimerick and Clare. Between them, 102 scores, three periods of extra time, and it really was the most extraordinary sporting theatre conceivable. Limerick, when a shootout, coming from nine points down, having come from eight points down last week uh, against Galway, the All-Ireland champions. And it really brought to mind to me, I recall being in the dressing room in Semple Stadium in 1995 when Kilkenny beat Clare in the league final. And Gerlach Nan amazed everybody by saying Clare will win Munster this year. And people were saying, this guy's bonkers. Clare haven't won the All-Ireland for 81 years. They've been hammered the last couple of years in Munster. But I think you look at Limerick now and John Coyley, no matter what happens from here forward, can legitimately say, maybe we can do something this year because I think Galway have brought a, have democratised the championship and what they achieved last year, winning for the first time in 29 years, smashing that Tipperary Kilkenny glass ceiling, should surely be convincing Limerick, Wexford, Clare, that anything is, is possible this year, that we could be en- entering an era like the 90s when all teams really felt they had a chance and when teams made great breakthroughs. Yeah, Donegal, I tend to agree with Roy on the Limerick point, uh, but I'm kind of worried about reading too much into the league performances, but they do look, for me anyway, that they could make some noise this summer. Yeah, they're certainly a common team, but you could probably put that tag on a lot of the, the teams in Hurland, particularly in Munster, I think, at the minute. Like, I think Clare, what they're trying to do down there, um, they have the basis of a lot of good things. Limerick have uh, obviously got very good underage talent coming through the last while. We've right, touched on Wexford there. There's going, to, there's going to be a lot of teams that are capable of doing big things this summer, but you know, I think you still have to give the benefit of the doubt to the teams who've done it. So I think you're still looking at Galway. I think you're still looking at uh, Tipperary. Um, for the record, no one's writing off Kilkenny because when they get everything going, they'll be very, no one will want to see them in the championship. So yeah, like league form can be read too much into it, but it's probably important for a developing team like Limerick to win a couple of big games and, and take a couple of scalps and see how far they can go. Yeah, bringing John Milan on the line now. John, what did you make of kind of the craziness of Monday's game? Uh, you know, it probably is a big... You know, boost for Limerick going forward, but it, even just the game itself was was absolutely sensational. Oh, look, and b- before I start, look, I I, I did a bit of work with our team myself uh, with the radio, but I'd like to compliment TG Four uh, on 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 the, the work they are doing, stream streaming our games, uh, and at short notice as well. I mean, an awful lot of people probably didn't think the the, the game was going to be streamed, um, but they streamed it on on the Monday, and I thought for the month of March, uh, you know, a bank holiday Monday uh, for two teams to serve up a cracker like that. I thought it was, I thought it was just unbelievable stuff uh, to, to to watch it at home. I, I was, it was, it was just, it was just enthralling uh, the way, it, the way, it, the way it panned out. And look, both teams served up uh, a cracker, and I thought the shootout. I, I was one at home, and I was kind of saying, you know, I was kind of hoping that it would go to a shootout. So. It kind of toed and flowed, and I was kind of hoping then that Limerick uh, would get the equalising point to, to bring it to a shootout. And I thought the shootout, were, you know, albeit it's it's an awful lot of people are saying that it's probably the wrong way to to end the match, and people are probably stating that maybe a, a penalty shootout was probably the best way to to end the match. But I thought two the two teams served up um, an unbelievable uh, hundred minutes of of, of Harlan and. I think both these two teams, I think you know, will will have a will have a big say come the Monster Championship, and they're going to have to put up a, a good display of seventy minutes of hurling to, to overcome both these sides come 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 May June. 
Yeah, Roy, Munster's going to be ferociously competitive this summer. Like, even last weekend, we had two derbies, Cork Waterford in the relegation playoff too. And it does seem that each team is capable of beating any of the other teams in the province. So we're going to have at least two good teams who are going to be, you know, kicking their heels come, like, you know, mid-July or, or whenever it is for the rest of the championship. It's it's funny how quick it turns. It's not so long since we were talking about hurling being in, in crisis as Kilkenny stormed away and Tipperary were the only team really biting at them there for those couple of years um, and football had had so many teams now it looks like football is a one-party state and if you're looking for real intense competition I mean you can make legitimate claims it, it reminds me of one of those competitive handicaps in Cheltenham where you're looking down and you're saying this could win this could win you look at the hurling now I still think Tipperary are Munster's strongest team if everything goes well for them. They've powered through the league without Jamie Callan and without Bubbles. Um, I think they've scored 7-105, which is, which is more than anybody else. But every team, I think belief becomes in, in incremental steps and every team will go into Munster, I think. I, John obviously knows Waterford and what's going on there very well. I know they've got relegated, but I think Waterford will still be a major player come the summer. And I think we're really in for... Given the new format, I think it'll be fascinating to see how it goes. Tipperary leading the field, but everybody else pecking and believing they can get there. Yeah, John, just um, on Waterford's relegation, it doesn't seem to be you know overly worrying for for fans of the county because I guess Derek has taken a fairly you know experimental approach to the league, or certainly not gone all guns blazing. Yeah, look, touch, look, they obviously they are relegated, but I'm I was more concerned after round three than I than I am. Uh, after their, their, their sixth game, believe it or not, I thought after round three, they were after losing three uh, matches on the spin. Uh, the Kilkenny game really, really disappointed me. And I suppose, look, you know, I came out and I stated a few things that I suppose about becoming a bit too predictable. And, you know, I think that they, they needed a bit more up front. Um, but since that Kilkenny game, to be fair to Derek McGranny's team, they've won two of their last three games. Uh, they bounced back after that Kilkenny they went down Kilkenny defeat they went down and they beat Cork and then they picked up a first home win in all of two years now you got to take into you got to take into the context too that they were missing uh, doing some massive players Austin Gleeson Kevin Moore uh, Connor Gleeson wasn't available for the best part of the game he was he was snowed in they were down Dara Fives you throw all them lads into the mix and you know I, I still think Waterford will, will, will have a major say come Come the Munster Championship. I'm not. I'm not. Look, there's the stigma of relegation, but I wouldn't be overly concerned. I think. Look, if it is to be Derek McGrath's last year as manager, I think it's it's perfect for for a new manager to come in next year. As Derek McGrath stated that, you know, they can come in and they can they can take off from from Division One B. But um, I think Derek McGrath. I think he got what he what he wanted out of the league. I don't think the league was 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 the priority this year. I think the priority for Waterford, as I keep stating. Are those first two games against Clare and Tipperary? I think they'll really home in and trying to pick up a win uh, in those first two games, and then which will will carry them into the Limerick and, and the Cork game as their third and fourth game. I think they will see it as they'll probably need two or three wins to to, to get to, to qualify them. So I think everything is geared towards uh, that May twenty seventh fixture up in Ennis. Yeah, Dunica, if Tipperary are maybe the ahead of the pack in Munster and then the four teams we saw over the weekend are, are chasing them, how would you rank those four based on what you've seen, you know, about last season and in the league? It's very difficult to say because this is a completely different Munster Championship to what we've seen before or over the last 
X amount of years. So I suppose if you looked last year at Cork, they kind of gathered a little bit of momentum from their their, their quarterfinal win and came out of, came out of effectively nowhere to win it. Because if you're going tw- twelve months previous to that, when they tried the sweeper against Tipperary and it was an absolute disaster, you think these boys are a long way off anything. This time it's going to be. I'm just looking at the fixtures here in front of me. We've we have Cork, Clare, and Limerick Tip on the 20th of May. The following weekend you have Tip, Cork, Clare, Waterford. So you could have conceivably, you could have Cork say having lost two games and almost out of the running, not quite, but absolutely fighting for their lives to stay in the championship. So in terms of ranking teams, it's going to be so much about that first game. Um, if if Cork whoever hits the ground one on that first weekend and all of a sudden one thing go from another the other thing is that it's going to be more of a test of panel than ever before it was two and three weeks between uh, big championship matches last year this year there are seven six days um so it's so wide open. it's going to be so difficult to call this year it's 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 the hardest one in a long time. Yeah, right. It's funny when when they first brought in this new structure, a lot of people were kind of saying, "Well, why would you want to elongate the, maybe the the lesser important part of the championship versus the the business end?" But both in Leinster, which we'll get to in a second, and Munster, it's it's so competitive that this actually could work out really well for supporters. I think I I was I was positive about it from the start. I think it has been a long time waiting to happen, and I think it'll bring a vitality. Dunica is talking about the danger if you lose two games straight up. So there is that knockout element still about it. But equally, there's a chance to develop momentum. I think critically for Limerick as well, I mean, they've done what they've done in the league and they've still the Nipersic element to join in. Um, I heard um, Porrick Joyce talking about Cora Finn's success in 98 and how that impacted on the whole of Galway football that year when they went on to win in All-Ireland, the first one in 32 years. If Nipersic can win that replay and the way they've come through um, and they bolster Limerick, I can see Limerick really being major players. And there are a few counties when they build momentum, bring such support that it reaches out to the community in the fashion that Limerick does. I recall 1996 so vividly, um, and they brought great colour and passion. Um, 94, even even three, four years ago when they made that potential, when they came close to the breakthrough, uh, having won Munster, they bring a huge wave of people Cork did something similar last year, but it seemed to have fallen back and fallen a little flat under new management. Um, I'd rate Limerick number two at the moment. It's funny, some of those Limerick players probably weren't even born in 96, you know, when you say you remember it so well. That's that's just how much youth they brought in. Uh, absolutely. And I mean, if you see teams now, look at what the Ireland rugby have, team have done. They've invested in young players like your Carberries, like your Ring Roses, your Larmers, and are reaping benefits. Dublin have... Dublin have changed in football over the last couple of years. If you look at the leaders of the Dublin team now, Kieran Kilkenny, Brian Fenton, um, Niall Scully, all these guys are under 25 years of age. So I don't think youth is necessarily a negative anymore. If you've one or two experienced players to carry, I think youth can be an advantage. There's also no tradition of losing there. And I think Davy Fitzgerald has latched onto that in Wexford to a same degree and armed teams with new conviction. Um, winning becomes a habit. It's one of the old cliches. And the reason it's a cliche is because it tends to be true. Just moving on to the other quarterfinal, John Kilkenny versus Offaly. Offaly put in a really good effort. But, but just, just going back there for a minute, Will, uh, just on the Munster Championship, could I ask you a question today to the, to the two lads? And I think it's gone, it's gone unnoticed where you may, just going into the last round of games in, in the Munster Championship, where you might have a, a situation where just say Tipperary won their first three games and just say another county by the off chance lost their first three games and you had two teams chasing that final position where Tipperary might turn around and, and they might decide to play a, a second string team 
and the other team that maybe gone out of competition might decide to play a second uh, string team. Could that pose problems um, going forward for the Munster Championship when we reach that last round of games in the Munster Championship? It's, Just like to throw, throw that question out to the lads. It's, it's an inherent risk when you do effectively a group stage. Like There is a chance that when it comes down to the last round, there will be a team who have already done enough and a team who have nothing to play for. Now, there is the, the prospect of the team who finishes bottom. They were in the playoff against the uh, Joe McDonough winners if they are a Munster team to stay in the Munster Championship. So it, that should help avoid dead rubbers, but there's absolutely a chance of it. And yeah, that, that could skew the table, whereas if the two teams had the meeting earlier round, it would have been much more competitive. But look, I think when they drew up this plan, I think they realised that was a risk. They went with it. Time will only tell how it works out. I think if you look at the, the Champions League, there is a history of dead rubbers yeah. in, in groups at the end. But I think the safety net of the relegation playoff helps. Plus, there is no there is no system where you can have an absolute perfection. And I think this is certainly worth trying. And I think they are so competitive in, in both provinces that it's unlikely all issues will be resolved until until the last puck almost. Uh, well, so, certainly be something to keep an eye on. Uh, and John, I was going to get your opinion on the Kenny Offaly game there. You know, Offaly put in a really good effort. Kenny pulled away at the end, and, and the ending of that game, I guess, kind of reinforced that with TJ Reid and Walter Walsh coming to the fore in the closing moments. Like whoever Kenny play, they're likely to have three or four of the best six or seven players on the pitch. And if, and if Brian Cody can add a couple of extra new faces, which he seems to have done, they will be very competitive with, with more or less every team. Yeah, well, look, I, I, I kept an eye on this game through KCLR uh, radio. And look, I suppose there's an awful lot of people out there stating that, you know, Kilkenny were, gave a blow power performance. But I think in situations like that, we've got to come out and we've got to praise awfully. And the one thing I liked about Brian Cody and compared to other managers, he never came out after the game uh, Monday and said, you know, he was disappointed in these players were giving a blow power performance. One thing he came out, he stated, he stated that, Offaly were very good in the day, and I think I think that it was 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 fantastic to hear from from Brian Cody. But going back to Kilkenny, there's no there's no doubt about it. Come come to summertime, they have TJ Reid. I mean, he's he's ultra consistent. He's brilliant on the freeze. He's he's a nine out of ten free taker, nearly a ten out of, ten out of ten free taker. They have Big Walter Welsh. Then you know you throw Colin Fenley into the mix. Richie Hogan, if they can get him back uh, from 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 injury. Uh, and then you have Jerry Elward who's coming back from, from injury. So that in itself does tell you that they are going to still have uh, a really top-class forward line. And on any given day, I still maintain that the Galways, the Tips, the Waterfords, they're still going to have to give a very, very good account of themselves on the day if they're, if they're to overcome Kilkenny come the summertime. I think Paul there were, there were back. absurd arguments um, only a month or two ago about Brian Cody being time-expired Um which I think have really been shown up for what they are now. I think drawing Kilkenny in the latter ends of the championship is the equivalent of walking down a dark alley at night. I mean, the chance of you getting a mugging there is fairly severe. Nobody will want to play them. As John says, TJ Reid in a crisis, what a player. If Richie Hogan can get back to anything like um, full fitness with the players they have coming back, they're still major players. I think the big one, one of the just John didn't mention it there, but Paul Murphy coming back in, like we have, you mentioned the quality of our forwards, but it was a couple of years ago the full back line was showing up in, a, in an All Ireland final, and Brian Cody had much admitted it last year. If you can get Paul Murphy back to full form into that team, 
whatever position he decides to use him in, but he'd be a serious addition. Would you agree that yeah, it's... And, and, Connor, and Connor Fogarty as well. We're forgetting about Connor Fogarty. Connor Fogarty is... He's gone under the radar too. He's out missing for him as well. Like, and he's, he's another massive playoff on. Well, we mentioned there kind of marquee names who are to come back, but what have you guys made of the younger players like Richie Lahey, you know, James Marr, some of these guys? Like, are they legitimate kind of guys who, who can kind of match the performances of the elder statesmen in the team? Well, I think there's certainly been some promising auditions in the league. If Richie Lahey had <coughs> scored, he scored three points in successive games against proper opposition. Um, James Marr, likewise, has looked very good. The truth is, you don't really know till summer comes because the level of intensity goes up that level. I'd say John will tell you about the difference in that half a second extra, John, you might have on the ball in the league that's just not there in the championship. And it's in those moments that that quality really shines through. Yeah, well, look, you're, you're 100% right. I, I, I 100% echo that. But I, I really, I, I think I think Richie Latty, I really like the look at this Richie Latty. I think he's... He was very good in the under twenty one last year. I think look, I think we can give him the benefit there last weekend. He probably had a below power performance. Uh but look, you have to forget too, not for these young lads are going, you know, five, six six weeks nearly in a row. Uh it's probably taken probably took its toll last week. I think one thing Brian Cody will be pleased with to have a two week break now. Uh then you throw in this James Marr. I've been very impressed by James Marr. I think he's another big addition for for Brian Cody, uh, John Dondi on the weekend, he scored two points. And there's another lad I'd like to have, I think Brian Cody should have a look at, is, is young Billy Ryan. I think he thought he was very unlucky to be taken off uh, down in Welsh Park. He was playing on Noel Connors. I think the conditions didn't suit him. So I think come summertime and the, when the ground hardens up, I think we might see a lot more of him. And then you have Luke Scannon. Then you go into defence, I suppose you have... You've, Connor Delaney, he's given Connor Brown a chance, and you know he's moved Paddy Deegan back from midfield back to the corner back, and he's fitting in well there in the full back line. And, and all of a sudden, as we keep alluding uh, to, you know they, they still have they're, they're, all of a sudden now they've, they've 17, 18 uh, very good players. And as I said, I think this is this has been a fantastic league for Brian Cody and, and Kate Kenny and. You know, the lad stated a couple of weeks ago there was there was people within Kilkenny, former Kilkenny players were nearly calling for Brian Cody's head. Uh, but, you know, the man himself, he didn't panic. He's the old dog for the old road. And I think Brian Cody, if if, if he wins a trophy this year, I think, you know, he's it'll probably probably rank as one of his best ever achievements. It it's, it's, might be a little bit of, you know, being wise after the event, but I never quite bought this you know, the the underage thing has stopped in Kilkenny. Obviously, the under-21s working great, but it's in the last couple of years, I remember uh, looking at fixtures and the, the Croke Cup final was between Kilkenny CBS and St. Kieran's Kilkenny. Now, so, you know, maybe that's not equivalent to minor county hurling, but it's not far off it. And if you have fellas, 30 Kilkenny fellas, essentially, probably, starting in an Ireland final against each other, you're going to have some quality there. So we shouldn't be overly surprised that these fellas have hit the ground running. And last word on the hurling, Roy. Uh, you know, with Offaly going well now, and and th- there being a direct relegation from the Leinster Championship, that'll be equally kind of competitive as as Munster, and in particular, it should hopefully guard against dead rubbers. Well, I hope Dublin and Pat Gilroy can take something from how Offaly pushed Kilkenny to the brink, because um, it's been a difficult start. Um, Pat obviously had his has had his startled earwigs with the footballers in two thousand and nine, and there's been that sort of dynamic with the hurlers. 
I mean, they conceded 225 to Offaly and Crow Park the first night, lost heavily to Limerick and escaped with a one-point win over Antrim. And it sort of shows the strangeness in some ways of the quarterfinal structure that they're actually in a quarterfinal. But if they can produce something competitive against Tipperary, I think they really, really need that for a bit of momentum going into the summer. Um, Gilroy is obviously talking about a long-term project and I think there is that, that things fell into recession under Jer Cunningham. The momentum of Anthony Daly was lost. But Offaly will certainly feel that they can, if, if, if required, that they can finish ahead of Dublin in Leinster as things stand at the moment. Now, that can change very quickly. Um, but I, I think Wexford, Galway and Kilkenny are, uh, are still a distance ahead of, of the other two. Last word in the Leinster Championship, John. Yeah, look, I, I suppose Mara Brenny, you know, alluded to it there a couple of weeks ago and that, you know, we can't forget that one team out of the Leinster Championship are, are going to be uh, relegated uh, next year. And I think it would be catastrophic for, for Offaly if, if they were to go down. You know, I think they've made massive inroads. And I think, you know, I think it, the only way is up for... for for uh, Kevin Martin and this team and I think it, it, it is something that Crow Park are most certainly going to have to look at because I don't think um, Offaly going down to being being demoted would, would be any good for Harlan uh, but I think they will be competitive in this Leinster Championship uh, but I would would agree with the lads I think it's those those three I think it's Galway Kilkenny and, and, and Wexford in that order and you know I think the big fixture is going to be Dublin and Wexford down at Wexford Park uh, but again, like the Munster Championship, it's it's going to be a, an ultra-competitive uh, championship and, and one to look forward to. Great stuff, John. Thanks for joining us. No problem. That's all we have time for this week on The Throw-In. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend's action. In the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.